Allow me to be first in line to tell you that you do not need to study and know music history in order to write songs. You don't even need to know that to be a great songwriter. So no, you don't need to study the Beatles as a prerequisite to songwriting. If the Beatles did not inspire you directly, who cares? It doesn't matter. But at the same time, I do think it is helpful to sort of figure out your own artist tree, if you will. The artists that most inspired you, some of your favorite artists, the ones that you can sort of hear reflections of their sound in your own sound. Or if you are a newer songwriter, or you're just getting started with songwriting and you think to yourself, I don't, having a sound? I haven't even thought of that. I just want to write a freaking song. Well, in that case, I think it can be a very helpful exercise to sort of Go out, see, like, okay, let me list my top 10 artists. Let me figure out sort of my storyline, how I figured out, oh, I want to write songs and figure out what it is about some of these artists that I like that I would want to incorporate into my music. Either way, whether you're a seasoned songwriter who probably already has developed a sound or if you're somebody who hasn't even thought of developing a sound, I think this will be helpful to either camp because today we're going to talk about how three of my favorite artists influenced my sound. So hopefully you can sort of take how I went through this exercise and learn from it so that you can do the same for your sound. Hello friend, welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. This is episode 100 and 26, which sounds so, so high. It just doesn't seem like it's been that many. But here we are. As always, I'm your host, Joseph Vidala, and today we are talking about how three of my favorite bands influence my sound. And hopefully we're going to break it down in a way that you can sort of take how I thought through this and apply it to yourself, because obviously I understand. So don't tell me in the comments that you don't care about my sound or about my favorite artists, of course you don't care. Of course you don't care. I don't expect you to care. That's not the point. The point here is for you to sort of listen to how I went down this road so that you can figure out for yourself how you can discover and be a little more intentional about figuring out what artists all kind of came together to sort of create your current sound. And I say current sound because I do think that that somebody's sound evolves over time. I don't think it really does a 180 usually, right? For example, if you're somebody who likes a ton of guitars and a ton of thick guitars, that's probably not going to change that much. It might slowly fade away over time, maybe, but generally speaking, you know, you're not going to find yourself being a country artist and the next day be, you know, I don't know, a rock artist. I mean, those two, I guess, aren't necessarily that separated, but I mean, like, like, let's say heavy metal, right? You don't usually go from country to heavy metal. You might end up being southern rock or something like that, but usually you don't pivot too hard. So, without further ado, let's dive in. Let's talk about it. Influence number one for me, Fight for Fighting. So, a lot of my music tends to be very piano-driven, or at least piano-based. The average songwriting process for me is sitting at a piano or a keyboard and writing music from there. Usually, my songwriting process is something like figure out a piano riff that I kind of like, figure out a melody that's interesting that goes well over the top of it, and then from there sort of figure out, okay, what what does this sound like it's about? 
And then from there, figuring out a lyrical theme or idea that resonates with me that fits with the sound I'm hearing, and then writing the lyric from there. Generally speaking, that's how the process goes. There are certainly exceptions. I write songs on the guitar for sure. But piano, I'm a very piano first person. I think it's easier to write songs on the piano, um, much, maybe even much easier. Um, and it's really much easier for me because I'm definitely more of a pianist than a guitarist. I don't think there's that big of a gap, um, but I, I am a better pianist. So for me, what I really like is songs that open with piano and interesting piano parts. So if you think about how songs open, right, there's usually one instrument that sort of is that foundational instrument, right? And that's usually something like an acoustic guitar or a piano, usually one of those two, right? So this depends on genre, but if you think of your average singer-songwriter, right, you either think of somebody sitting at a piano or somebody sitting with a guitar, acoustic guitar, sometimes like a clean electric guitar or whatever, but it's usually one of those two. And for me personally, the piano tends to resonate better for me. And Five for Fighting is an artist I discovered in ninth grade. Which is really when I started to discover artists on my own, other than like, this is the CD that my parents popped into the car and I either resonated with it or I didn't, right? That's when, you know, YouTube was coming out in ninth, or actually YouTube was out for two years, I think, before ninth grade. I was in ninth grade in 2007, I think, because I graduated in 2011. So I guess 2006 to 2007. So now, like, it was more and more easy to sort of go figure out and find your own music. And Five for Fighting is probably the first band that I discovered and became a fan of. Not really a band. It's really a guy, John Andrasik, but he uses a band name. So first artist that I really discovered for myself. And... The foundation of the sound of Five for Fighting, if I were to really break it down, are basically lead with piano most of the time and piano riffs, not just chord stuff. Uh, very Usually there's like an interesting riff that's kind of memorable that like opens the song and piano is very much like the centerpiece of the music usually. He utilizes a lot of falsetto, so he doesn't belt a lot of high notes. He utilizes falsetto as an effect, you know, not because he's incapable of hitting notes, just, you know, it's stylistically. Stylistically, he uses it a lot. And then he writes a lot about lyrics about life that doesn't really involve love or is different flavors of love. For example, The Riddle is a song that he wrote that was about, you know, him and his son. And he has another song called I Just Love You that's actually about his daughter calling him while he's on tour and saying that she called him just because she wanted to say I love you. So I guess it's a love song in the very loose definition, but it's really a, a dad-daughter song. And A Hundred Years, which is the first song I discovered by them that is, was my favorite song for a while, still probably in my top ten. Great, just so good. Um, is about, you know, reflecting on we only have a hundred years to live. And really isn't about love at all. And in a sea of, of music that's like 90% about some version of love, whether it be the loss of love or the beginning of love or the uh, certain elements of love that in order to keep this podcast family friendly, we will not talk about. Um, <laughs> but that's most music, right? 
And personally, like I certainly resonate with that. Some of my favorite artists are about that kind of stuff. But I really like going beyond just talking about that because there's so much more to life than relationships. Um, you know, the, and relationships and with a romantic connotation here. There's so much more to life. There's so much more to talk about, to muse about, to think about. Um, that, and I like to think that I had the foresight of being like, okay, if you're married and you no longer have love drama, you don't want to run out of things to talk about. <laughs> um, so I like to think that's an element too, um, which ended up being a good call since I got married at 25 or 24, 25, somewhere in there. Um, I should know that. Um, so, which on that, by the way, I think a songwriter worth worth their salt can sort of still take past events and still write songs about them. Um, and therefore, as long as you've experienced something once, I don't think you need to be currently experiencing it in order to write about it, right? So for example, I can still write a breakup song because I know what it feels like because I've experienced it before, even if it's been eight years or 10 years or something like that. It's been a while. But anyway... So Fire for Fighting, piano-based, lyrics about life, and use of falsetto. I personally took the piano part, took the lyrics about life part, sometimes, not all the time. I don't really use the falsetto as much. I do in some songs, but for the most part, that's not something I include in my sound. Because something I like in my sound is for things to be more epic. And usually, falsetto is not very epic. A belted high note tends to be more epic. Which leads us into artist number two, my favorite artist of all time, which you all know if you've been listening for a while, probably rolling your eyes at me, but it's okay. We're still going to talk about it. Vertical Horizon. Love, love, love. Favorite artist ever, ever since I discovered them in 10th grade. Um, and I have never relinquished that spot. <laughs> and we are like, what, 12 years later now or something like that? Yeah, 12 years later. Wow. It's a long time. Um, wow. Wow. Because I'm 28, and I would have been 16-ish. Very interesting. All right, I didn't realize I had been that long. Good talk. So, <laughs> one element of... I, I, to be clear, I love basically everything about Vertical Horizon. You don't be my favorite artist for the, since the second I discover you until, you know, through my whole 20s, basically, and, and most of my teens for no reason, or for little reason. But if I were to really break it down, some of the things I really love are thick guitars, especially in the chorus, right? I was just talking about, like, I love Five for Fighting, but the choice to use falsetto takes away from what could be maybe epic. And to be clear also, I love Five for Fighting for what he does. I wouldn't want to change anything about it. But for me personally, I love the piano parts. I love the lyrics about life. Like, give me an epic chorus. That's where Vertical Horizon is starting to come in. Vertical Horizon liked specifically in their earlier earlier albums uh such as the go album which is probably my favorite album of all time and the everything you want album which is the album that some of you might have actually heard some songs from including everything you want and in those albums there are very 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 thick wall of guitar sound in the courses especially now these guitars are actually not distorted Usually they're usually maybe a little bit of overdrive, but mostly clean, thick, tubby guitars. And 
they layer different guitar parts. I don't know how many guitar parts there are, but there are a lot. To the point that you almost can't make out single guitars in a lot of these songs, so much as there's just like guitar sound that is just thick and feels huge and is like, oh, this is pretty epic. Which is something that I personally love. He also, in my opinion, is like the master of lyrics that are specifically right in the realm of cup half empty, but not like overly so, but you're kind of like bitter about it. Uh, the way he words it, which I, <laughs> he's joking when he says it this way, mostly like it's a joke he says on stage that like all his music is, um, I loved you, you left me, and now I'm, I'm ticked. And that's mostly true. <laughs> but to me, I think he's mastered... He sounds ticked and hurt and bitter while also still being sad. So he's not just mad like, screw you, you left me. He's kind of like, usually the sound is somewhere in that I'm really sad you left and I'm also kind of bitter about it. So I'm not just like weak, like, oh, take me back. But I'm also not like, screw you. It's in that like nice middle ground where like you're not being a jerk and you're also not appearing kind of weak and pathetic either. Um, not that it's weak and pathetic to, you know, be sad about these things. Of course, it, that's fine. Um, but, you know, you only want so much of that coming out in songwriting. If every single song of yours is like boo-hoo for me, it gets a little old. Um, right, Taylor Swift? Oh, whatever. There it is. <laughs> for those of, you know, we don't have drinking games here because we keep it family friendly. But if there was one... Taylor Swift being insulted would probably be on it, would it not? Let me know in the comments below. But anyway, so... I totally forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> Insult Taylor Swift, forget everything else. So anyway, yeah, the, so the lyrics. Right in that realm that I really love. Because it's so real and raw to me. Like, sometimes it comes across a little disingenuous to me when people are, like, overly ticked. It's like, well, you did love this person, right? Like, you're not just ticked. There's more to it than that, right? Or if it's just boo-hoo for me, it's kind of like, all right, come on. Like, you know, be, be a, li a little strong. At least pretend. Um, and I think he, he just nails that specific area. Also, something that they do lyrically, that he does lyrically, that I think is great, is he finds a good way to actually be specific about the feeling, right? So, for example, he would never say something like sad. Sad is so meaningless, right? Like, sad is, like, you can almost fit every emotion on the planet either into the giant category of happy-ish or sad-ish. So sad is, and happy are, like, meaningless generic crap words he finds a way to not talk specifically about like storyline situations in a way that you're like oh i can't resonate with that right so for example you know if i tell you a specific story like well there was this girl who had brown hair and blue eyes and we went and we were in college together and we you know the more details i give you the be better chance you have of starting to be like okay i don't resonate with that right because you know, maybe, for example, you personally are a person that prefers, I, I don't know, maybe you're into redheads over brunettes or something. 
for whatever reason. So you're so you've already you've mostly dated redheads, we'll say. In that case, you're already starting to be lost by this like, oh, brown hair, blue eyes, like, okay, fine. So as you're singing along in the song, it might not resonate as much. Or let's say you're married, right? If you're married to somebody that fits a certain profile, if the song is a love song about somebody that fits another profile, that might even be a little weird, right? So I think that he does a great job of saying generic in that way, but being very specific about the emotions. Because most of us don't relate to like, oh, I'm sad. Like, okay, most of us are sad sometimes. What does that even mean? Sad? Like, what, what kind of sad? Are you aching? Are you, are you, you know, kind of, kind of bitter and sad and mad, all kind of put together? Are you grieving? Right? Like, there's different types of sadness. Vudokloreizen, I think, does a masterful job of getting specific about the emotion while staying generic about the story. And really, all three of these things are things that I adopt into my own music. I like songs about life, like Five for Fighting, but I also like that realm of like you're kind of bitter and you're kind of sad when it comes to love song stuff. I love the thick guitars. I love layers of guitars. The only thing I don't really adopt from that is something that actually comes from this last artist we're going to talk about. I tend to like distorted guitars over just kind of thick, little cleaner guitars, which comes a little bit more from another one of my favorite artists, Breaking Benjamin. So Breaking Benjamin, of course, is by far the hardest of these bands, right? Vertical Horizon, I would argue, is sort of like straight up modern rock. Um, depending on album, you could say pop rock. I'm resistant to call it that just because I feel like pop rock is always somewhat of an insult. Um, so I, I, I don't want to call it that, but mm, sort of. And Five for Fighting is very much, you know, singer songwriter, um, adult contemporary, it's sometimes called. So Breaking Benjamin, though, is straight up post grunge, right? It's pretty hard. And not post-grunge like stupid Nickelback post-grunge, but like actual hard rock, distorted guitars, not trying to be poppy stuff. And so something specifically that I love about Breaking Benjamin that I borrow from them is the distorted guitars. I like the layers of guitars from Vertical Horizon, but I like more the sound of the guitars from Breaking Benjamin. He also tends to belt a lot of high notes in the melodies. This is something that I like doing. Vertical Horizon tends to be a little more singable, if you will. Which usually singable means you're using less of a vocal range. It's more of a song that people could sing along to. Breaking Benjamin says, screw that. You don't need to be able to sing along with me. Let me belt some high notes that most of you in the crowd can't, and I'm going to melt your face with how epic it is. I love that. I love that. And it's also something that sort of fits me because if I'm being honest, I probably somewhere in high school, I just got an insecurity about my voice because I don't know reasons. I'm a guy. I have an ego. I don't know. But um, and I've always kind of had a chip on my shoulder about it. So ever since then, I, I realized somewhere along the way 
that I, you know, I, I, I didn't know if I had good tone. I felt like I didn't have that great vocal control. I didn't think I was pitchy, but I didn't, I didn't really know. Right. It's kind of hard to tell until you start recording that. And like, you, you don't like, it's one of those where like, there's so many people out there that are like even tone deaf that don't seem to know it. Right. I mean, like you've seen those excerpts from American Idol or whatever. It's like, how, how did you, you have ears, right? <laughs> like, why are you here? Um, so because of things like that, right? Like, unless somebody confirms to you actively, like, yes, you're good, which I did have some people do that to differing levels, um, which, uh, shout out to not that he listens or even knows I do this, but in case he ever does, I had a music teacher in high school, Mr. Lawson, that, uh, one sort of, I don't want to say forced me, but heavily encouraged me to join Encore, which was sort of our, our, like, I call it the elite vocal group, but it's not really elite. Just like, you know, you have choir and then you have like the after school extra choir, that smaller type thing that you have to actually try out for. So he encouraged me to do that. And then he sort of made me do uh, solos, two of them, I think. And I will forever be grateful to him for that. Um, and many other things. I, I mean, I learned music theory from that. Man. Just Mr. Lawson, if you ever see this, and I know I'm supposed to call you Josh now, but you're, you're always Mr. Lawson for me. I know that right now you're crushing it about, uh, you're out there doing some, some good stuff for, uh, well, I don't know. We won't talk about this here, but you're out there doing some good non-music stuff right now. But for the record, I am super thankful for how incredible of a music teacher you were and how important you were to me and some of my development. So thank you. Anyway, <laughs> for everybody else, um, I, I didn't expect to do that. So that's not, now I'm lost. This is why it's a good thing. It's a podcast, right? Oh, all you people on YouTube who are like, what's going on? Why is this video so long? It's a podcast. It's a video podcast. Okay. So don't, be leaving your hate comments down below. I have other videos that are actually edited that come out throughout the week after this. The Monday videos are video podcasts, okay? I'm going to keep saying this because I keep getting people that are like, why is it so long? Like, click off the video then. Or don't watch the video. Just listen to it. That's the point. It's a video podcast. There's a reason I call it a podcast at the beginning. Anyway, um, if you're on YouTube and you're not somebody who's angry about all this stuff, drop, drop a like. Helps with the YouTube algorithm. So, anyway, Breaking Benjamin. Distorted guitars, I love. And, oh, that's the story I was telling. <laughs> Vocal confidence. The one thing that I realized that I knew objectively I had over the next guy and the next people is I realized somewhere along the way, like, oh, I have a really good range. How did I know? Well, because I was put in the bass section of choirs, of both of them, and yet, when it came to the high part, I had to always go help the tenors with the high part. And half the time, I could do the high part well, while the tenors could not. So at some point, you realize, oh, wait a second, there's my strength, right? Like, like I really, I'm a baritone by voice type. I can do the bass part. Um, but then when the tenor part is actually tenor and actually high, I need to go help them. And so I knew, like, okay, here's one thing I know I am good at. So if we're being really honest, there's an element of just chip on the shoulder thing, right? Like, you know, so there's an element for me of like, if somebody doesn't like my tone, if somebody doesn't like my styling, if somebody doesn't like whatever about my voice, 
dang it, they will respect the range, right? So admittedly, that's an element that I sort of have had in there since way back then. And Breaking Benjamin is an artist that really utilizes this, right? Like you cannot like Breaking Benjamin if you want, right? Most people don't because any artist, most people don't like, right? Um, otherwise, they'd be the biggest artist on the planet if most people did like them. Um, but when he hits some of those high B flats in full voice, because falsetto doesn't really count, um, because it's much easier and anybody can hit any high note mostly in falsetto. I mean, not any, but like it's just not that impressive. Um, when he hits those B flats in full voice, you kind of got to respect that. So that's something that I borrowed from Breaky Benjamin. Also, they have very vague lyrics. I usually tend a little more towards the vagueness in the Vertical Horizon lyrics, but there are some lyrics where I've gone deeper into the symbolism in the way that Breaking Benjamin tends to do. Also, there tends to be large energy shifts between the verses and the choruses in Breaking Benjamin, which is what makes the choruses seem so epic. Because epicness is really just, like, you set a bass line. Not bass line like playing the bass, but, you know, you set, like, here's the energy of the verse... And then the bigger the jump in energy, the more epic it's going to be, generally speaking. So if your verses are kind of laid back and and uh, just sort of creepy and eerie, and then you are like guitars come in and layers and it's all distorted and you're hitting high notes, that's usually where epicness comes from, that huge difference in energy. And especially for a pretty hard rock band, they utilize that a lot. Um, something often in bands similar to them, complaints I have is they're a little too like constantly high energy, right? Like for example, why I very much dislike a lot of kind of screamy bands, we'll say like bands that scream all the time is because usually it's just like the guitars are the same level of thick and distorted and loud the entire song the screaming is the entire song like there's no up and down in energy it's just all the same so there's no journey to go on it's just all like four minutes of well like the guitars are like who cares who cares answer a lot of people you may like that music if you're offended i'm not that sorry it's just my personal opinion, right? I'm not saying it's actually objectively bad. It's just not my cup of tea. So anyway, these are three of the artists that have influenced me a lot that in my music, you can see different elements from these artists that I borrowed, right? So overall, I have a lot of piano-based stuff, but I tend to have epic courses that have a lot of instruments layered in, sort of like how Vertical Horizon um, layers there, specifically guitars, but I do more than guitars. I tend to... Um, especially now I even add some synths in there to sort of help out and give it a little bit of a modern sheen. I use some strings, which none of these artists I'm talking about here use strings because, Hey, look, there's other things that influence me. One of my favorite bands ever since I discovered them a few years back, Poets of the Fall, they use strings a little bit more, uh, incredible songwriter, incredible songwriter. If you don't know who Poets of the Fall are, which you probably don't cause they're a Finnish rock band, go check them out. And if you're thinking, Oh, Finnish rock band, are their lyrics not in English? No, they are in English. And they write better English lyrics than, like, any artist I've ever heard, maybe. I mean, their lyrics are incredible. And I assume English is not even their first language, which is extra incredible. 
and kind of shameful to the rest of us. We're like, <laughs> in our first language, we can't write better lyrics than like a band who like it's, it's probably their second language, maybe even third. Like kudos to you guys post the fall. Just oh, so good. So, 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 so good. Um, but anyway, Goo Goo Dolls are another element. Another artist that somewhat influenced my song. Uh, Hans Zimmer, his utilization of the organ in the interstellar soundtrack. I'm starting to use organ in my songs. It's a little more subtle. It's not at the forefront the way it is in that soundtrack. Um, but these are the sort of things that you can sort of pull, like realize like, what is it about the interstellar soundtrack that resonates with me? And I realize I love the organ. The organ gives this sort of different sound that is mostly non-existent in today's music that I really, really, really like. So hopefully this was helpful to you. Hopefully this inspires you to go out and be like, huh, okay. What are some of the artists that are some of my favorite artists that, that I've sort of borrowed things from? When I look at my own sound, where, where do I see some of the influences that I have? And another way to go about this is if, if you're sort of totally lost and you don't even know where to begin, write down your top 10 favorite artists. Chances are... At least five of them are going to be somewhat significant influences on you. Now, the three we talked about, which I think these are my three biggest influences, um, that, that being Five for Fighting, Vertical Horizon, and uh, Breaking Benjamin, are not my three favorite artists. Vertical Horizon is my favorite artist. Breaking Benjamin is either two or three. Poets of the Fall are currently probably my second favorite artist, maybe third. Um, but I discovered them later, so they're a little less impactful on my sound. Uh, than say Five for Fighting is, which is probably probably still in my top ten, but um, you know I'm not as huge a fan now as I was back in the day. It doesn't change how important they were to the development of my sound, though. Um, I should say how important he is because it's a band name, but technically it's one guy, John Drastic, which I think I said before. I just want to clarify again, as somebody who it is a massive pet peeve when people say he for a band. Or she for a band when it's like, no, it's a band. It's a they. Um, or the opposite, where it's a single artist and they say they, right? Like Ed Sheeran isn't a they. He, he's a he, right? Like, so are you saying they? Ed Sheeran wrote the song. Not there. There is no they here. Um, so anyway, because that's a pet peeve, that's why I clarify. So anyway, hope this was helpful to you. If it was, be sure to drop a like. Let me know if you want. Um, more stuff on sort of discovering your sound because I do think it's an important thing. And if you are a beginner songwriter and this was kind of a lot for you and you're thinking, wow, okay, I have homework now, um, then my encouragement to you is take your time with it. Be okay with your sound developing over time. Be okay with not having the answers right away because you're not going to and you shouldn't try because it's going to evolve over time anyway. There are some things that already have changed in my sound in the past five years, certainly in the past 10 years. It's going to continue to change. But I do think that it can be really helpful to sort of figure out where your influences are, how they have influenced you. And it can really help you to figure out if there are certain elements missing from your music that you would like to have. The exercise of what do I like about other music that I listen to can really help to figure out, oh, like, for example, the organ thing, right? I discovered like, oh, organ's a thing I can add to my music. 
that was something that I did based on sort of this exercise, which I've done before, right? I, I did the exercise of like, what is it I like about this in order to figure out what I should maybe consider incorporating into my sound, assuming that it fits. So as usual, if you want more ways to start writing a song because you're somebody who maybe uh, has run out a little bit of creative, uh, you've run out of creative gas a little bit, if you will, uh, be sure to pick up my free guide on 10 different ways to start writing a song because I'm a firm believer that just starting your song from a different standpoint can be really helpful in getting past that, that writer's block, right? So if you always sit at a, a guitar, then of course your songs are going to maybe start to sound the same and maybe you're going to just be like, I feel like I've done every chord progression, which you never will have done that. But, um, you know, and you think to yourself, what am I going to do now? Well, go to the piano, pick up a bass guitar instead. These are different ways to start writing a song that will help you. I have five lyrical standpoints, five ways to start lyrically and five ways to start musically. If you're a person that is a lyrics first person that wants to try the other or if you're a music first person that wants to try lyrics first. Anyway, hope this was helpful to you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And I will talk to you all next time.